Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. Hello, folks. It is me, PTP. I'm not going to do that voice anymore. I was editing this episode, and I realized we did not put a strong enough content warning up front. As per usual, we avoid any gross details, but I can understand that for some people, just the description of events can be um, enough of a trigger. So I just wanted to give you an advance warning on that. As always, thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy, or, or whatever you do with this, do that. I'm bringing an SEO. All right, we're doing recyclables. <laughs> oh, wait. My phone was like, listen, I'm going to freeze Facebook right now because you do not need to pay attention to Facebook. Because <laughs> you need to pay attention because I'm fooling myself. Two recyclables. This is my podcast where I take my friends on my journey to be less trashy. I think that's the pretentious line I'm using lately. Joke's on you. I'm always going to be trashy. Fair <laughs> enough. Nobody is required to be less trashy by the end of it. I just hope I am. What's the definition of trashy? Well, um, we're talking about it specifically in terms of, like, not using critical thinking to figure out the bullshit that you get fed yeah. as someone who's white trash. Okay. Yeah, and, and not looking, and also kind of recycling your opinion of yourself so that, like, negative self-talk, calling yourself trash, which is an issue we're going to talk about actually quite a bit today, because we're going to talk about Tanya Harding. But the whole goal of this is to hope to buoy other people to believe in themselves with a sort of ironic positivity or whatever. That that yeah. felt like I was smart for a second. Well, because so Patrick was doing comedy have... shows in the wet, the south and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he would say, "I'm poor white trash," and someone in the audience said, "Oh no, actually, it's older than that." When I was like eight or nine, people would call me poor white trash, and I'd be like, "I don't want to be trash. I want to be recyclable. I'm a step above the trash." I'm... Well, and recyclables kind of challenges the the whole premise of that if you're poor and stupid and you have kids, they're going to be poor and stupid too. Well, you know, but this is the thing, is that uh, there is a generational stupidity. There there is, yeah. No, no, but the thing is, is that there are people that are actively, and I know a lot of people that were born poor and aren't poor now, um, are not poor in knowledge and... Yeah, not uh, bigoted, ignorant, you and, know. And social community and, like, whatever. I don't think I don't think that poor is limited to money. Um, I know a lot of people that have spent their lives, like, educating themselves because you just, you can't continue yeah. to be yeah. mired in that. Yeah, and, that, and that's the point I, I, I'm trying to make. I equate it to when I was sitting in my childhood psychology class and they were talking about all the things that happen to kids whose parents smoke while you're in the womb and saying like, all this awful shit. And I'm like, well, I'm in college and I'm like learning things and I'm a functioning member of society. So I'm pretty sure my mom smoking during that didn't ruin everything about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's this idea that like just because you came from, just because you started as disadvantaged doesn't mean that you need to push down people who have more of a disadvantage. And it doesn't mean that you can't push yourself forward to at least be a uh, someone to contribute and help and be a part of the system. And I, I also know I can't physically do things to make the world a better place the way I would like to, especially more and more lately as my body falls apart. But sure. I can go over a story I hate pretty well or a story, <laughs> like, or something that makes me sad. I can explore something that makes me sad pretty comfortably because I know my own boundaries and abilities and I'm willing to share that and express that with people. Right. And also it's kind of like my effort to like, I always wanted to be a teacher. So there's some of that. Yeah. yeah. So with today's story, the as we tend to do, I try to give people up front, like, kind of the things I want them to be thinking about as we go on. First thing, uh, there's a lot of views you can take on history. You can take the great man view of history, where you follow just one person from their birth to their death, and how Martin Luther King or George Washington influenced things. There's also economic history, where you explore things strictly through that lens. Who's making that money? Yeah. I want people to occasionally think, uh, have kind of a trauma-informed lens when they can. Like, don't don't waste your time on giving Hitler a trauma-informed lens. But somebody like Tanya Harding, I think, deserves Deserves a, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, I want us to consider, as we're going through, the importance not just of who's telling a story, but their motive for telling a story. Because a lot of this story, when it's being told, especially in the most intensive parts of it... Has are, a motive. Yeah, it's being told by the media to make money. They yeah, just want yeah. you to come well, back. Well, there's the thing that actually happened, and then there's the thing that people focus on because 
it's the most salacious part of the story. Exactly. And then, yeah. And that's always the negative. And she's... And that's for a variety of neuroscience. I just reasons. want to throw out some synonyms for salacious, not because you shouldn't use that word, but because I love that word, but some people might not know it. Spicy, the the tawdry. What are some other words? Juicy goss. Juicy yeah. goss. Yeah, that's what people Juicy care goss. about. We, we have someone who potentially listens to podcast. How old is Pearl? Oh, yeah. There's a young lady that listens to this, like 12, 13 or so. Google it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm but just kidding. I'm I just kidding. figure, like, because it, it is a no, great word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I might use some words that you don't know. And then at the end of this, I also want to have a brief little talk because there's, there's a very personal aspect to this that I think I can explain better when we're done, which is throughout all of my childhood, my mom is uh, into ice skating the way I'm into comedy or magic cards. Right. So all which of my... Which is a lot to too much. Yeah, I have magic tattoos and I've, I, I've ruined my life thinking I'm a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all of this is going on in the background of my childhood very loudly and all the details. Like my mom knows all the stuff because she's also from the Pacific Northwest and been paying attention to Tanya's story. So I think there, there, there's a point I want to get into in the end with that. Sure. Sure. You got skin in the game, baby. I do. I'm actually a Portland native. Uh, the, I actually remember very clearly, very, very clearly, the Olympics where Tanya Harding lost. I mean, That's just so like. Wild. Yeah. yeah, it was just. Corey's dad said that he went to a party in high school that Tanya Harding was at before she was famous. So he could be lying. Let's Here, be honest. This is, this is important, too, because this still goes on today. I mentioned it to my friend that works at Plaid as I'm leaving. And they're like, oh, yeah, my friend went to school with Tanya and said they partied with her like after. I bet. Yeah. yeah. So Tanya was born in Portland, Oregon on November 12th, 1970. Her mom was on the fifth of eight marriages. She had three extremely older siblings. One died of sudden infant death. One, we'll figure in later, uh, her older brother. And she had a sister that at some point ran away and, and, according to Tanya's words, is a prostitute now. Tanya Harding is, of course, known for being a skater. She started from a very, very early age. She started as young as three. And it doesn't sound entirely like the, the, the situation where, like, mom puts her on the ice and is like... You're going to go live my dreams. But her mom <laughs> was a competitive ice dancer. So she saw it as an example yeah. and was able to get on the ice as soon as she was able to get on the ice. Yeah. And Man, I think it's cool. kind of, yeah, my kid and I kind of have the same relationship with magic cards where it's been in his life. All you're doing this generationally. Yes. Well, no. He, Generational You're trauma. doing this to children, Patrick. He would, he, he sees me play. He wants to hang out with dad. And so, like, of course, I'm going to teach him. I oh, think yeah. it's I think it's the similar kind of thing. Although I waited until yeah. he was, like, nine. I oh, I remember when Magic the Gathering was very popular. Was. Ouch. I, no, I, I felt that wound. No, but I mean, uh, I mean, but I remember when it was, like, uh, at the beginning, when everybody was trying to, when everybody was playing Magic. Yeah. And I feel like some people just stopped playing Magic because it was too complicated. I remember that when I was a kid in, or, like, in high school and stuff, and I dated nerdy guys, like, my sister would be like, so do they play Dungeons and Dragons or something? Oh, yeah. And now I'm going to marry someone who plays Dungeons and Dragons, so we've come full circle. To be clear, you should always only marry people that play Dungeons and Dragons. They're pretty rad people. Inevitably, yeah. yeah. Not able to play Dungeons and Dragons was Tanya Harding. Not only did she start early, but once she really got into training, she really, really got into training. From the age of eight, she was competing in national competitions, gaining fame all over the place. And she was so cute and she had the little ponytail and she was like, she was pretty cute. Yeah, she was, as a young child, she was cute, but there's a lot of stuff that was going on in the background uh, in skating. That was not so cute. Yes, uh, but in particular in skating, it's actually going through something of a revolution. What used to be in the Olympics was actually like three forms of skating. There was figure skating, (coughs) which was where you would go on the ice and draw out figures. So your whole, you had to look pretty while you did it, but your whole routine was to cut into the ice, like figure eights or a rose shape or whatever. And judges would come out with like rulers and measure, did you stay inside this groove? Did you do that? Did your lines go right? But that's really fucking boring for TV because you have to go out and measure things. In addition, there is ice dancing, which is what her mom did, which is ballet on the ice. There are some athletic moves, but it's more just to complement the activity And then there's the strictly kind of physical gymnastic program where people are, you know, doing flips, spinning axles. Do a backflip! 
And what ends up happening is, like, as production starts occurring with TV, uh, they start filming these things. In the early 80s, somebody figures out that if you put sequins on your costume, you fucking look phenomenal. And so, and you know what? who that didn't person, know that before? Yeah, and that person, though, they deserve a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm just going to say <laughs> it. I'm just going to say and it. And you know what? I bet you, I don't even know this story, but I bet you that somebody put sequins on their costume, and then they went out, and everybody was like, oh my god, sequins! And then there was a big kerfuffle about it. Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> the skating community uh, is Was it too pretty well, elitist. Very white. Very pretty, white and well very yeah, because Oh sorry, that's the same thing as elitist is white and rich. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. no, it's it's super it's super white and it's super rich because you have to have the time to learn all these things. You have to pay coaches, you have to have costumes. You have to have access to an ice rink. You have to oh, have yeah. access to an ice rink. If you, you you have to have access to transportation to the places where the competitions yeah. happen. And you have to have parents who can do all that. It's it's also one of the reasons why POC often don't get to go to outdoors. Yep. And camp and shit. Because camping's actually really expensive. Yeah. Like once really you buy is. the shit, like well, whatever. Well, especially if it's not something that you were taught by your family because they had access to it too. Like I would probably Generational know. Generational camping. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like I think I would know because I grew up and I would know where to cut corners, how to save the money, do those kinds of things. But as someone who has no knowledge of it. But that, if you're starting from scratch exactly. camping and you're like, exactly. oh, I've never been camping. I don't have one thing that's camping oriented. I need to go get all the shit for camping. Yeah, and you won't have the know-how to know. dollars Yeah, and you won't have the know-how to know where you can cut corners or like what things you could buy that aren't going to be just marketed to take your money. And also you don't have the access to people that also have camping equipment. But the one thing poor people kind of convince ourselves of is it, poor people unilaterally, uh, black white whatever is that we can be undeniable and they will accept us if you can do the thing so well they can't ignore you then, yeah. then we, we've always kind of seen that as your lottery ticket and to a certain degree tanya has that like she's she's the right shape and size and build to do the ice skating dancing or the ice dancing and the gymnastic program that the figure skating kind of absorbs as TV becomes the medium by which we see this. It sounds like she was the very stereotypical underdog story that we see where it's like the establishment people sneer at her and then she has to prove like fuck them all up because she does so well that they have to listen. And there's this repeated thing where they will judge her harshly compared to somebody dealing with the same thing. So if she screws up up in a program one way and somebody immediately after her screws up they judge her like one well, point yeah, off she's poor. Yeah. but also because they do this thing where where the judges are intimate in your life they hang out they during know practice. you personally so they they monitor your growth so if they don't think you've grown enough then they'll be like oh you don't deserve that point. even if you did technically better than somebody who hasn't been at it as long quick side note when i did speech and debate in high school when you did events their school like where you came from was a code so they didn't know I was from Great Falls High, regardless of where I performed in the state. That was a way to remove that from the judging. Granted, fucking Kalispell High School, they <laughs> oh, let they let the co the judges know because it's all volunteers, so yeah. it's all like teachers and parents and stuff. They're like, hey, by the way, our school is this code, so make sure you vote for those. Oh yeah, 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 of course, fucking bastards. So sorry, but I was just saying, like, no, she I, I can't believe that they don't have that kind of double, double blindness blind. built oh. in. Well, because oh. <laughs> Well, because it starts, it starts off as a pretty elite activity, right? You're not going to do that because you don't care. Your your whole system is kind of designed to keep the pores out because, yeah, yeah. like maybe death of the, like nobody's sitting around saying like, oh, we want. Maybe they are. I'm sure they have their private meetings, but like that's not. No, because you don't have the voice. That was fun. <laughs> Kill the, kill the oh, excuse me. Uh, but the if you ever win the lottery, will you forever talk like that? Yes. Yeah. I'll pay. I'll pay to permanently have my okay. vocal cords put. If out. I ever am in the position, I will give you a hundred and twenty-two million dollars just so you go. Mm, yes, I'm Patrick Thomas Perkins. Yeah. Um, Can we just talk about the fact that I did a pretty good Dead Kennedys rendition right there of Killing a Poor? I believe you. It yeah. was really quiet. I don't know the Dead Kennedys. I'm the wrong kind of white. Oh, it sounds, Speaking, like, it sounds like you're not a leftist then. Probably not. You lost your cred. I, I always, oh, you're a leftist? Name all the punk bands. I go ish. I-S-H specifically. <laughs> uh, part of the harsh judgment that they're putting upon her, though, is also because they're seeing her home circumstances and they're applying that to everything that's going on. From 
a very early age, her mom is trying to support her. She works two or three different jobs as she's doing this. She oftentimes will drive her to the ice rink, drive her to school, go to work, pick her up from school, go to work. Like I said, this is really fucking expensive, but you have this kid that's undeniable. Like, she's beating adults. She's at, goat. Yeah. At the same time, uh, mom and dad end up breaking up when she's in her early teens. Uh, the dad ends up uh, hurting his back and unable to work. <laughs> Something I know about. Was he abusive? The Her description of him is that she she never hated him, but he wasn't a great guy either. Okay. So I think it's really more he's just a dad in the 80s. He's just a dud. Yeah, like... He's just a dad. <laughs> yeah. Even when we're good, we're, we could be better. The mom is something else. At skating events, there are reports of mom hitting her with, like, a brush. There's definitely verbal abuse. Her successive husbands, at least one of them, sexually assaults Tanya when she's a child. Additionally, the older... <laughs> so basically, she was raised in Southeast Portland. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's not untrue. I was right in Southeast. Her only escape is really on the ice. Her only form of expression. Because by the time I think she hits about 13 or 14, she gets a job at Clackamas Town Center. Uh Uh, Basically, this guy owns... This is how 80s it is or 90s. He owns a potato kiosk in the mall. Yes. And hires... what? A potato kiosk? That was a thing? Yeah, you get out of like a stuffed baked potato. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about just like selling potatoes. Just artisanal (laughs) potatoes. And I was like... Okay, <laughs> I know Portland is weird, but that... No, it's like that... that uh... Were you picturing uncooked potatoes? Yes, I think he like sacks of potatoes. No, no, it's, it's like a... It's like a French fry place. Like oranges? Like fat oranges? <laughs> oh my god, there's just a produce stand in the middle of Clackamas Town Center. I mean, oh my god. I wouldn't be surprised with Clackamas Town Center. Um, but she, she, she goes to skate... And then she'll or she'll go skate a little <laughs> bit, open up the coffee shop, go back to skate. Eventually, she does end up dropping out of high school, but her whole life is on the ice. Or if she's at home, her her brother also ends up sexually assaulting her, and uh, nobody <sighs> nobody is nice to this girl. She ends up. There's uh, one interview where she talks about the only... You have to trigger warning the hell out of this episode. Yeah, yeah sorry. Normally, sorry. <laughs> Normally I do. I just ran into it. But Well, I mean, we'll just put it in the yeah. text as well. And you can she, do uh, a recap. Anyway, a lot of bad shit happens. Yeah, she she, yeah. she, she ends up being known for being into big uh, trucks and big dogs, uh, specifically because she says the only time she feels safe and comfortable is with her, her big family dog. But it ends up giving her a reputation as a tomboy amongst these elitist judges, right? So even when she's in the one thing that she loves, there's no solace. It's it's that situation. She's still told she doesn't belong. And her whole life plays out on the ice. The first time she gets her period, uh, she's dancing as Princess Leia, incidentally, on the ice oh, and comes no. off. And Almost is, exactly the same for me. Yeah. No, just kidding. Just kidding. no, Carrie Fisher went through the same thing and was oh, like... Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't was know. Was performing when it... Like, like, was in a... It was in the Leia costume. I, oh, least, interesting. And was like, yeah, I knew, I know what you're going through. It was consolatory to her. Yeah, cause, oh, that's cause, cool. Because Carrie Fisher. I mean, yeah. So, so she accidentally free bled on her costume and it was visible? Yeah. yeah. She didn't even know what was happening. Nobody had oh, ever no, yeah, exactly. That happened to me once in gym, and I'm telling you. That, that was really... never happened to me. I don't, and I'm a heavy, I don't want to brag or anything, but I have a pretty heavy flow. I'm worried about I when don't... it finally happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> That would be so fucking mortifying. Yeah, and you're... Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And I was not... wearing white and blue shorts. Oh, and no. I got... And we had sit on the floor. I didn't even realize... I didn't even realize. And I was sitting on the floor and I stood up. And I was like... And so, yeah. So, I feel Tanya Harding. Holy shit. Yeah, that's her That's her whole childhood. That's that's the in the background of her doing... Being... Amazing. Yeah. yeah. She she is she is literally one of like throughout all of the course of her career, one of maybe a dozen people worldwide, maybe historically, who can do some of the things she does. I just looked it up before we started, and as of two thousand twenty one, seventeen women have completed the triple axle, the thing that she's famous for. So there's not even because she was the first one yeah. to do it, yeah. Because there, are, yeah, because yeah. it's 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 it takes a lot of. Work. It's a thing she used to do in rehearsal. They didn't think she could nail it in performance, and then she did. It's it's a lot of work to get to the thing, and then it's a lot of work to perform the actual maneuver, and it's a lot of work to land. Like it's it's a lot of precision stuff that you have to practice, and there are exactly that situation happens to a lot of people. There are people when they were filming I Tanya, there were people who were like, "I'm not gonna waste my one triple on you. Your movie isn't worth it." 
it to me. I saw the movie, but I don't remember. Yeah, it was so you can, good. You can see the footage, and she you you just see the genuine joy. Like she like she she gets again fucking bumped down because she does a little fist bump in oh the middle of it. Oh my god! Because she does Whoa. at the age of like twelve something. <sighs> Maybe two or three other people <laughs> on the planet have done, and they're like, "How dare you feel an emotion, child?" Yeah, no, you don't well, show an emotion at the. And at the how end of that. fucking wild that the thing that we praise a lot of men for doing in celebrating their successes and their joy that's being punished by this yeah. girl. I mean, I don't want to make it fully gendered, but I do feel no, no, like. But would they have? Would they have have marked down? Yeah, would they have marked down a dude for that? I mean, I guess I, maybe. But again, it's one of those things where it's like she does get marked down consistently. She'll get scores less or fudged because she's not cool, right? Like Nancy Nancy Kerrigan when she comes along at about. Uh, the teens in Tanya's life, she lives a roughly similar life, but it's that thing where if you're on the bottom end of poor and you're at the top end of poor, there's a lot of distinctions. There's a huge difference. And so Nancy's life isn't easy. She has similar issues where her parents have to work both jobs. She has to skate in between work yeah, and school. Yeah, but Nancy Kerrigan was always America's sweetheart. Yeah, yeah like, there wasn't the trauma, I imagine. Yeah, or and there wasn't there was trauma. There, that, that was the thing, okay. is that there, there may have been some trauma at home, but it's that thing where if you're a little bit wealthier, you learn how to hide it. Uh, yeah, with, class camouflage. There's this whole thing, yeah, yes. where, where Nancy's brother ends up attacking like her grandpa and then gets killed by her dad or something, but it's years after all the media kerfuffle around it. And even at the end of it, she kind of shows, people are like, she shows her true colors because she acts like a person. Like, she goes to Disneyland and it's like, this is corny. And people are like, how dare she? She was America's princess, just like you yeah. said. All right, let me, going back to Tanya. Tanya's life is basically practice school or work, abuse, maybe an event, practice abuse. Like, that's just her whole yeah. schedule. Um, when she finally kind of starts seeing somebody, she meets Jeff Galuli. I can never say his name right. Galuli. Thank you, Jeff Galuli. Yeah, it's like Chaluli. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like Chihuly? a disease. Shaboopy. He ends up changing it to Jeff Stone because, of course, he does. Jeff Stone. I remember when he changed it to Jeff Stone. Oh, I get changing your last name if it's hard to pronounce, but that's a little confident. No, he was know? changing it to get away from the infamy of being I Jeff Galuli. I had a boss who did that, who changed his name so that people were, it was harder for people to look up his arrest charges for domestic violence. Oh, well, that's fun. He's great. I wow. him working for him. He also told me that he only voted for Hillary because he knew Bill would be there to help. Oh. Ten for ten. Love that guy. Wow. Guy, guy is I also love. Is he single right now? Because he probably I could is. flip for that. Uh, what he wouldn't flip for <laughs> is Jeff Jeff Giannola or whatever his name was. Sorry. Let's just call him Jeff Stone. Who cares? Although Jeff Giannola, I swear to God, has been 40 for the last 40 years. One year, I don't know how. Dorian Gray painting. There's just a painting. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Telling you. Uh, They're like, hello, I'm Jeff Giannola. And like, no one knows that he's been dead for 20 years. He's been on the, on the TV since I was a small child. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I literally do not remember when Jeff Giannola was not on television. Um, and he's still on television, but somehow looks exactly the same age as when I'm stuck. Do you think he sleeps in the hyperbaric chamber? I think he does. He must just sleep like this. Just like in a like In a, a coffin? Cross. Yeah. Yeah, a coffin. Okay. The weather needs me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just think about it. He feeds just... off weather, ener- weather patterns. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Jeff met her when she was 16. When, oh, he, when he meets wow. her, everyone goes to watch her because even when you're practicing, you're pretty spectacular. You're still doing cool shit. And like you said, she's doing the triple sometimes at her rehearsals. Yeah, or, or, or triple, it, double, blah, blah, Yeah, blah. triple axle is what it's called. But it, people watch her all the time. She sees him, but he's the first guy to just be like, hey, you're, you're pretty, and they start dating. How old is he? Um, he's just a couple of years older. He's he's just at that line where it's like when... It could be sketchy, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily yeah, it's have like, to be... Yeah, like when I was 21 and dating a 19-year-old. Good. You're nasty. Yeah, I'm terrible. So was he. They move out when um, she is 18. They get married by the time she is 19. Or I might have that backwards. Oh, moved out at 18, married at 19. Um, And it is, it's just the same thing. He is super abusive. Like, it starts off, there's a, of course, a honeymoon period. She seeks the exact kind of lifestyle, environment that she's in. In addition to that, her mom has been kind of managing her career. And once she marries him, he functions as her bodyguard, her manager. Let me stop you right there just to say this. I also was a child singer and shit. And people were like, oh, you should do it professionally and shit like that. And I'm so glad that my mother was not a stage mom person because my family, this would have been exactly what the story was. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and I didn't I didn't touch on the mom's alcoholism, but she's according to Tanya's own account, she's drinking thermoses full of bourbon and coffee from four in the morning to the rest of the day, and it escalates. So Tanya picks up some of that pattern. It sounds like it doesn't sound like she's a heavy drinker when she's competitive, but there definitely seems to be some binge periods that occur. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeff is the same way. And of course, when you're young and you're in that position, it escalates a lot. There are counts as bad as her being like thrown through glass doors and shit it gets to a point where she's rehearsing at night to avoid being seen by people because she doesn't want them to because she'll get scored lower because they'll be why do you got a black eye oh my fucking god and it gets worse because when when things finally like they're through a glass window isn't enough there's a finally an incident where like they're chasing each other around a neighborhood and and just fucking insanity and she finally leaves him and when she does, the skating people come to her and they're like, we don't like your image if you're not married. So oh we're not actually going to let you compete. At the very least, if we're not going to. Yeah, we're definitely going to score him. you. You're definitely going to mess with your morality clause. So then she's forced to go right back into the situation. By the way, everybody at this time just sees, oh, Tanya broke up. Tanya went back to her husband. Which, Here's a question. Um, was it that in the movie? I can't remember if that was in the movie. I do not remember. In I'm the a little movie, bummed that that wasn't in the movie because it should have been. Well, the movie is... And also awesome. morality clauses are bullshit. Yeah. They're fucking ridiculous. I think there's a morality clause if you're genuinely hurting someone and, like, are going to go to yeah, prison. Yeah, there should be a morality clause where it's, like, if you're... Yeah, if you're hurting somebody, if you're a or, violent offender, or or you're using drugs and you're a athlete and you are not supposed to that kind of stuff, but like that kind of shit, that's bullshit. Yeah, like I don't cuss in public, like just but, fuck that. But but the I public... want our athletes to do every drug possible. I think it'd make the games I mean, more interesting. I do too. Her. <laughs> The thing is, this is all... It's the 100-yard dash, but everybody's on LSD. (laughs) Where are you going? (laughs) Where are we all going? uh... What is going? (laughs) Whoa, have you ever thought about that? What is going? (laughs) Meanwhile, one guy just running ridiculous numbers, (laughs) like, turbo-focused. That's what... I did the first time he did acid. He just did laps. The first time I did acid was with and he. I was like just amazed by the stars, and then I got hit in the head with a frisbee because he threw it at me. What a turd! Uh, but I was like, those are definitely the two reactions that acid. I think are like, oh my god, the stars. Um, <laughs> what the media sees though is again that thing of like, oh, she's just being trashy. She fucking. She can't decide. She goes back to the person, and of course, at that point, even this point, women in abusive relationships who are being abused typically are blamed for their abusive relationships. Yeah, and on top of that, she's also struggling with money a ton because she's not getting the endorsements. Nancy Kerrigan is getting part of the issue with ice skating and trying to go into the Olympics at the time is that you can't be a professional, so you can't be going to ice skating competitions that earn you like tons of money you have to go to things that give you prestige you you gotta work for the drink tickets for the exposure so she has to keep a full-time job she also has to do because you know it's the 90s so she has to be the woman of the house so she's also responsible for cooking and cleaning and his job is nominally maybe to work at some place if he can keep the job otherwise he's her manager a lot of a lot of a lot of small man syndromes a lot of people are seeing she's like i said one of the only 17 people in history who can do this thing clearly she must be doing fine meanwhile she yeah, has yeah, no yeah. i mean it's the same with comics where comics don't make any money at all except for you know 20 dollars here and there and then you think that oh they have one tv credit they must be just rolling in it and you're like no until you get to the upper upper part of that the upper echelon so there gets to be a period in the early 90s where tanya harding nancy kerrigan and and holy shit i forgot the name christina yamaguchi i think are kind of neck and neck in these competitions always one of them is one of them is always first or second and nominally the other one is third and it's just a constant rotation of nancy wins one and then tanya wins one and then nancy wins one and at the same time, Tanya's performance is visibly, visibly str- better. struggling, though, because oh. of the abuse. Because oh, yeah. there's there's a definitely a point where she she has her divorce, and then she has to go back to her relationship, and it tanks. And so, but then they're just like, oh, it's just bruh. Nancy has her own complications. I guess she has issues getting into her own head. And then the other lady, Yamaguchi, is uh, not from America, but there's a lot of Asian American support for her, so she doesn't struggle the same way the other two do, as far as the media 
media narrative. That was the one other thing I wanted to get in or mention before we talk about the event itself, which is she's also raised in the newspaper to a certain degree. She's one of those those cases of like she's reading about herself and it's not always matching her her image so like that thing we were talking about about like oh we partied with her she might not be thinking that about herself she might think oh i went to a party and then somebody's talking about this wild bolsterous drunk chick you know what i mean there is no tanya harding in a weird way to me yeah yeah yeah. and so yeah no one's interested in her take they're interested in the juicy gossip about her Right. But this is the thing is that a lot of people will just make a story more interesting. So it's not enough that like, oh, I was at a party with this person and she did a keg stand. She knifed a guy. Because once you you don't care. Because you're like, oh, she stood in the in the kitchen with a with a red solo cup in her hand all night and talked to people. That's not. She's, she's definitely competitive. Yeah. It does sound like she has a bit of a temper. Like I, And it, it does sound like she may listen. If she does, I actually have a great deal of respect for you, Miss Harding. What happens next is pretty world famous. Nancy Kerrigan is leaving an event. Somebody runs up on her and hits her in the leg. They're definitely aiming for her knee or to break it, but there's enough people that they're forced to flee. One thing that a lot of places try to clear up, she never said, why me? She just said, why because, again, she's also a 20-something-year-old child who's been raised in front of cameras most of her life who just had some psycho jump out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, of- all of us would do that. If someone came out of you, came at you out of nowhere and br- tried to break your fucking leg or your knee or whatever, no one's going to respond without being like, what the fuck just happened? As things come out, basically, um, I'm going to give you what I think happened more than... Because there's like 90 versions of the story. But it sounds like what happened, uh, most likely, is that uh, Jigugoli had another guy that he, like, hired to be a bodyguard. Who's Giuliani? Okay, no, that's even Same better. Diff. Jeff, <laughs> like, exactly Jeff Giuliani is getting drunk with a buddy and is like, we gotta do something to help her career because Nancy Kerrigan is... It sounds like the same stupid-ass bullshit that somebody from Southeast Portland would roll. Yeah, well, I and mean, it's like, listen, I'm not the problem in this situation. Nancy no. Kerrigan's the problem. If by some weird thing... Tanya Harding listens to this episode. Just, I got your back, girl. Because I don't think you had shit to do I, with it. I think they were like, oh, you know what we should do? Fuck them. And like, It'll help. And then, you know. Yeah. He proceeds to contact somebody else who helps him, who ends up being his wheel man. They initially go to the wrong location. They take a greyhound. The other thing is they, they don't bother to, dis- or they do bother to disguise their identity, but they don't bother to call from, like, a payphone, I guess. So there's, like, records of where the calls are from. Uh, when they finally do do the attack, they they get the they get the wrong they spend three days waiting uh like like very visibly and they move the car all the time so they avoid getting a ticket but everyone's like there's that car that's just moving around after the attack the dude can't even meet up with his getaway car the getaway car has to come to him because he goes to the wrong location (laughs) you know what that sounds like the insurrection (laughs) well no it sounds it sounds exactly like what you're talking about afterwards things unfold pretty rapidly Uh, Nancy isn't able to compete in the competition that she was supposed to be in, but it gives her a bye to the Olympics because they're like, well, yeah, we don't know how extensive the damage is. You got... But chances are that you were going to go anyway. I mean, that that whole competition was... Yeah. Tanya goes and skates the best she's ever skated. Ends up getting, like, first place in that competition. Gets the spot to the Olympics. Other people, just like you said, have overheard these drunken idiots, just like if it was a Southeast Portland scheme, have overheard them and even sent mail to... Uh, newspapers and the police departments in the area of like we heard so and so plotting this attack here's who you need to look to the fbi gets involved because it happens across state lines uh and eventually they 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 get uh giuliani first and then they get tanya and then um yeah they they release the transcripts of the conversation the fbi has and at the end of it she's she kind of is like oh shit i think at least the way i interpret it is her being like oh shit i think jeff did it afterwards uh, this is a hard content warning on this part. Uh, and one of her accounts afterwards, to keep her silent, she is taken up into a mountain, held at gunpoint, told what to say by Jeff and these two men, I and then that. assaulted. That and then, um, and she talks about very casually, from what I understand, the sexually assaulted, and then afterwards, kind of, everyone treats her like she's an accomplice. Nobody knows about this little fun fucking mountain retreat. 
they just know that like she keeps yeah she does all yeah. the things you would do in this situation and like genuinely what i think is most likely happened because i've had drunken partners and i've had drunken friends is they tell her about this plan and she's like yeah sure whatever or if your abuser tells you something are you really going to be like no don't do this thing right because tanya doesn't even though she is a phenomenal talent like a god on earth physically as far as ice skating goes she's still like the emotionally traumatized little girl she was you know yeah. 20 fucking years ago so yeah. there's no she eventually pleads guilty to kind of knowing after the fact and then what's really key is her lawyer is like all right and i want her protected from p future prosecution so later on when a grand jury finds her guilty of accessory to uh, conspiracy yeah she can't be charged for that everyone else involved is they go to prison for several years there is also this really fucked up moment where her coach's partner husband is a lawyer he manages to sue for her to be allowed to go to the olympics they ban her from competing in American events, but they're like, all right, you already earned your way to the Olympics. And when she gets there, she finds out that Jeff has sold stills of a sex tape that she didn't know he had made to Penthouse. And then... Oh my God. Good Lord. Also finds out he sold a sex video to them. We would call it revenge porn today. And is like, well, it's already a done deal. Do you want money? And she's like, yeah. She does what any human in capitalism would, which yeah, is, yeah. Really, I would like uh, money from the non-consensual... Yeah. Especially because I have... Now that my life is over. Because I have all these fucking legal fees from the shit that you did. God. Afterwards, she she's tries to teach and or... Um, she She's banned from coaching certain things but you can like hire her as a private tutor if you want she also teaches classes on and off apparently she still skates about three days a week uh she did oh, a rad yeah she did she's done a lot of interesting stuff since then she's also the other thing is like didn't she do the celebrity boxing yeah she did her? celebrity boxing she fought doug stanhope she she went on the man show oh no was, way yeah he said oh, that's great. he said he said it was a rigged fight but she kicked his ass or something i don't i'm gonna invite her to my new year's eve party he would say it was uh, rigged. Well, no no he but i feel like i feel like if it wasn't rigged he would also be like no i got my ass kicked like i feel like he yeah. would love that story as well a lot of stuff she does afterwards is judged against her in this future white trash light she ends up getting married and divorced twice she ends up gets in a fight with her second husband uh like a drunken fight and then uh is put on probation from alcohol and then repeatedly is caught with it in one fashion or another mm. uh, and she also portland is not kind to her after this she tries to have a music career and she's booed off the stage Aww. Uh she tried to do um like a hockey event, like do a special little thing at the start and people fucking threw batons at her. Oh my god. Wow. Afterward people. Yeah. The she did do this awesome thing in where was it? Oh, in, in the late nineties, uh she was at she 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 loves video poker. She's a woman after her own heart. Yeah. Uh, she she's often playing video poker and dating younger men. So Tanya. Hey, you know oh, what? she's a woman after my she, heart. Yeah. She's a Virginia slum away from happiness. That's but right. She's she's playing video poker and the lady next to her collapse and she gives the woman CPR and tell and saves her life until the ambulance arrives. Yeah. So Hell I mean yeah. um she's I think I think uh Tanya Harding is massively what's the word mischaracterized yeah yeah, yeah. oh absolutely here's a, here's something i actually wanted to bring up really quick okay. was howard stern on the air when that sex tape was released i feel like i don't know i would be very interested to see what he had to say based on how he treats every woman in the media and yeah. talks about them oh yeah i bet you he'd have been like that dirty slut we fucking knew it <laughs> like i think she's i think she's doing real estate now but she has had a job as a welder house painter fabricator she worked at sears for a while she made a fair amount of money but she didn't like it, it's that thing where cool you got you still have legal bills. You have back pay that you have you to have do for like coaches. people that are asking you for help. And, yeah. You know, sometimes when you've grown up in poverty, it's hard not to want to help people as soon as you have some money. Oh, and no, for sure. You yeah, want to true. fucking throw that money and she, away. And she's also, again, she's a child going through this when we haven't even, she's the first, like the second big media story of the 90s. Well, this is the thing is, circling back to that before I forget about it. The thing is, is that like, like when your family's poor, then the person that makes it then supports supports the family unit usually yeah. but now she doesn't have any of that well now we have yeah. we live in such a capitalist society and, and inflation has risen to the extent where an individual takes so much more to 
sustain just one individual. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because American capitalism rests on the fact that family units cannot live together once the children are old enough to support themselves. Right. Like, we and then the grandparents are supposed to go somewhere else. Like, there's no intergenerational family housing. Yeah. Or at least that's not considered appropriate, the norm, and it is definitely, like, shame. Like, oh, you're still living with your parents? If I liked living with my parents, I'd be fucking living with my parents right now. Which is which actually goes to kind of my 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 closing arguments, final points. Which is this all occurs, like I said, in the nineties. It's the there's like Lorena Bobbitt, this, and then OJ in that very quick period. So all of this media is churned out inside of three months to a year. She's quoted oftentimes as saying she's she's a piece of shit versus a princess, right? So she has all of that internal dialogue going on. It's important to know this is her only real mistake and nobody is is grievously harmed. Nancy Kerrigan is capable of having a career for like a decade I was after just this. on the celebrity version of Antiques Roadshow. They appraised her Olympic outfit. Oh, they did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd they say? Like $30,000. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So all of that is going on in the media. But more importantly, it's the white trash versus the princess. And the white trash, you make one mistake and you're out. We don't yeah. give you a second chance. Well, no, because money buys everything, right? And money buys respectability and also money buys second chances. They had like a whole study about people that are on the poverty line, their chances of like becoming upper middle class. And it's like, if you make one mistake, you're fucking yeah, done. Yeah. Like you have to yeah. get everything, every step. And right. then we, and then we penalize people who do, who do crimes or who do celebrity, who don't get it the right way. Because we, we don't believe in the crooked ladder to success. We only believe in you following this one path. And most of the time when people do alternative means, be it entertainment, crime, sports, it's because it's not because they want to be criminals or be horrible or be obnoxious Instagram people. They just want stability. And then you take this ladder to get there, but then you learn all these habits. You're normalized. Speaking of normalization, my mom is poor white trash. In case in case meeting me didn't give that away. I'm shocked. All right, and we don't personally. I'm I'm about to walk out. I didn't even know. Yeah, I can't believe you're poor. I let a poor in my house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm at, so rich. At the same time, my mom is also very grievously emotionally and verbally abused as a child, so that her first marriage kind of crumbles because she can't have kids. And the guy's like, "Well, fine, you're no use, right?" And throws her away. She meets my dad in the same time period. Or meets my dad after that. During the period where Nancy is going through her issues is when my parents first learn drugs. Like when, I mean, not learn drugs, but when meth becomes a regular feature in oh, raising yeah, me yeah, as yeah. a child. And Re- just in Portland in general. Yeah. I was in, I was in Sacramento. Right. Oh, still the same fucking thing. But, but my mom, again, huge ice skating fan and seeing all of this and really happy for this hometown girl sure. who's also going through these things to be bolstered by society. Yeah. And then at the, at the worst point of my childhood was roughly 93. Literally the exact same time that this story is being projected onto the media that, look, you only get one chance if you're poor, and if you fuck it up, we hate you forever. <laughs> yeah, that's such a stupid fucking thing, too. In that, in that time period, we moved from Sacramento up to Portland. In that, in, in that same roughly year, uh, I'm seeing all of this. I'm seeing my mom's reaction to Tanya. I'm seeing Tanya. And I'm also dealing with this personal thing where every time I get to a school, uh, they figure out I'm really good at reading. Like in first grade, I was reading at high school. In second grade, I was reading at college. And at third grade, they were like, why don't you teach a class? But... <laughs> Each of those times was in a different school. So they'd put me in a tag program, get me started yeah. there, and then find I had tweakers for parents who had no commitment or interest. And so I just kind of fell to the wayside, uh-huh. which means I also get told the story of like, hey, you're not worth it. Yeah. Recyclables is about when we see historical events like that, going back and looking at it in a way that's not just what we were told and also reviewing why people are in that situation. Yeah. I don't talk to my mom. I haven't talked to her since my great uncle died. And before that, it was like years and years. And it's not a lack of love. If I'm sure my mom will listen to this because she's a fan of Tanya Harding. So I love you, Amy. But the issue is I can't have a, a, a person who is dangerous to themselves in a variety of ways in my life and love that person. It's, it's a kind of either or proposition. And it took a lot of work to figure that out. And it took yeah, a lot of you help. You have to set your own personal boundaries. Yeah. Tanya never had those lessons. 
ne- right, never had these right. things that I learned in my 30s. She didn't get those in her teens. And these are things people learn in their teens. So I just wanted us to... Well, the thing is, is that people that grow up in a normal family structure and like Rochelle's parents, are your parents still married? Yeah. Wow. Weird. They were married in 71. <laughs> They've been married almost as long as Tanya Harding has been alive. That's insane. Um, and longer than I have been alive. Yeah, I think they might even still have sex. <clears throat> yeah, just... I know Patrick. Wow. As Pat Oswalt said, it's like two piles of laundry. But you grew up in kind of like a loving family structure. And I mean, I my mom was evangelical, but she was a single mom. So she's like, you know, there's ways that she was whatever. It's complicated. When you go through life in a loving family structure, you come out of it like at 18, like, oh, I know what good relationships are. And I know what containers yeah, are. Tony and I know what that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the crooked ladder thing. Uh, some of it, too, is that when you don't grow up with that, you don't know where to, like, put your personal information. You know, like, you, you're way too open in the media. You're way too open in the whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. you're in the, in the middle know. of the investigation, she sends her roommate out to talk to the news people because she doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, because she doesn't know. She's, and they Like, if she had a publicist going... Okay, yeah. no, you need to go out and, you yeah. you know, whatever, and, like, coaching her on that, it would be a totally different and, situation. And nobody wanted to do that because she was the the white trash fucking one. Yeah. It, it, what you were saying is exactly true. That was a point I meant to make was, like, I, I genuinely think even if she was involved in the planning with Giuliani, like, it doesn't matter. Garibaldi. If, yeah, even You're if she right. was involved <laughs> in the planning, it doesn't matter because I don't think she had autonomy in a real way like i don't if you're in that abuse of a relationship you're not gonna yeah you can't say no yeah and i mean she was going through this at a time and we still have a lot of problems with but i want to reiterate she was going through this at a time where we blame women so wholeheartedly the symptoms of an abusive relationship oh well why didn't you leave or you're just a mess. You really need to get it together without seeing that, like, a yeah. lot of that is Why because she's being... When you become beholden to someone else's emotions on top of your own, and when that comes to blows and violence and abuse, things are going to come out that aren't you're not going to be happy about and that people aren't going to be happy with you for doing. But I highly recommend, where did I put it, the You're Wrong About podcast was probably the best. Oh, so you're wrong about Tanya Harding? Yeah, because they have a two-parter. Every I listen to some of the sports crimes ones, some of the true crime ones, and like every every dude is just an asshole to Tanya, or, or they're really classist. They're like, well, of course you did that. She's white trash. And I'm like, she doesn't fucking have a choice. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. The, the You're Wrong About uh, were very honest and real, but also very accessible. So I highly recommend that if you want to okay. get a deeper understanding of the story. Or you're there was about. a movie about it. It sounds like it's not necessarily super accurate, but I think it did portray pretty well the abuse that she dealt with, especially from her husband. Yeah. Well, the issue with the movie is they do like an inner, I told you off mic, but like they do about as much research as I did, but with more money. That's really the, I think. No, I it did, sounds like they did less research. Because they only interview her and they interview him and then they make a movie from in between. And so if she's saying, well, it was rough and he was saying, well, it's rough. They're not going to talk about him fucking chasing her with the car and shit like yeah. that. Like it, it, it gets horror show shit. So I didn't, well, I tried to avoid the worst of it, but like it, the mountain retreat isn't apparently a new thing in her life. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what I'd say is that it is a good resource if it is specifically from their two perspectives to be kind of. A, just a dialogue about yeah. an abusive relationship, at least what people want to publicly talk about yeah. with that. So and it it's also important to talk about the fact that when you're being abused like that, you can't heal from past trauma while you're constantly being re-traumatized. Yeah. And so at no point during this entire ascension Did she get a fucking into break? public... But think about it. You're, you're ascending into the public eye, right? And so being in that public eye is very glaring and it feels really weird when people walk up to you and they go... I know everything about your life, right? And for her, like, all of her shit's, like, on display, too. And then she's, like, having this ascension. And then on the other hand, she still has this abuse and trauma yeah, going on. Nobody, she's still mired in it. She can't She can't do anything about it. It genuinely sounds like uh, uh, Garibaldi at the age of, when she's 16, <laughs> like, is the first person to be like, oh, you're pretty. Like yeah. you're 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 a lovely woman, and like and, and she looks like like I don't want to sexualize a teenager, but she's 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 a fit, young, attractive woman sure. all of her life, and oh, you have to be to be able to do that shit. And and probably Rochelle had the same experience. Uh, uh, men like men started looking at me when I was like twelve. I'm sure, like yeah. it's 
Like that openly. didn't happen to me as much because I give off a weird vibe, but I did get hit <laughs> on by a carny when I was 15 and he was oh, definitely yeah. somewhere in his 40s or 50s. So I have had that stuff kind of happen, but definitely nowhere near as much. I don't know what energy I give off, but it's definitely a not this one energy. <laughs> That's the end of our dime. We're done now. No, um, so... Well, thank you for suggesting the topic. Uh, I think you're the first person to be like, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we do this? So I appreciate it. I didn't even... Whatever. I brought up Lloyd Center. Yeah, but that wasn't wow. good enough. No. Wow, Patrick. <laughs> that wow. Didn't, that didn't have all of this. That's true. Like, I knew I was slightly wrong about the story. Like, I figured, like, oh, she... I, I'd always figured she didn't have a wholly active role, but I didn't realize just how horror show shit was. Oh, no. And that's the thing is that, you know, it just it, it sucks because... I'm not saying it's true in all women's cases because, you know, a lot of times women are doing stuff, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think the women are, like, saints or anything. Quoting Belinda, do women I. are doing stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, too. <laughs> no, but, um, but, so, but I do think that she was just, like, largely mischaracterized, and she didn't know how to get out of the situation because... She was just completely... And if, if you don't have the tools to even describe the abuse you're going through, how are you going to be able to start moving past And not only that, but if you even complain about it, if you even complain about it, the people who are in charge of the one thing you can do and love... Tell you you'll lose your job. Yeah, so if she complains about the mom's abuse, people are like, well, that's kind of like, like you know, just keep it on the down low. Just be a better child. Just don't don't get hit, and then your mom won't hit you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and then also we didn't <sighs> have things all. like... Well, and how are you supposed to find, like, trauma-informed therapy when you're, like, 14? And you're exactly, like, exactly. You know, like, there's no such thing as trauma-informed therapy in 1989 or whatever And the based hell, on you know? the way she grew up, 1984 she probably is thought... Be, yeah. yeah. She probably thought a lot of that was normal and okay because that was the behavior that was modeled in front of her like the guys that i've had the most awful relationships with have the fucking worst relationships that their partners had if they're still together the divorced parents usually at least if they knew to split but like when you when you have someone who their whole life has seen an emotionally abusive gaslighting relationship in front of them and you that's what they think love is and i'll be honest it it's hard not to recreate that. Yeah, it's hard not to recreate, especially if you don't know that it's wrong. I've, I've, I've definitely had relationships where it's like, this wasn't healthy, and it wasn't entirely your fault. It was, it, But it's not to say I was the victim. It's just like, you create, you make circumstances that you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And if you're comfortable with abuse, then you'll be like, oh, this must be, this must be good. If Jeff was her first relationship, then she had zero idea of what a relationship exactly. should be. Exactly. And so she had zero choice in probably even being in that relationship. And everyone... Oh, yeah. The first guy that asked me out, I didn't know I could say no. And on top of that, you're on uh, you're on TV. Like you're you're every, on TV. So you're no, in the public eye. People so, are scrutinizing everything. So you, you have, do. but you have people coming up to you like you're so wonderful. You're so great. So you you have this cognitive disconnect of 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 this nightmare at home and this fucking everyone telling you you're great. So you 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 were so trapped. It's a it was a great topic. So thank you again. I don't know when I'll be dropping this, but I want to direct people towards your podcast. My first gay bar. Yes. And it's on X-Ray FM? It's a podcast where I interview people about their first gay bar, and it's super fun. Uh, we also play music and stuff from the time that they started going to gay bars. Also, my website is BelindaComedy.com, and then I'm Belinda Comedy on all of the various and sundry platforms. Get the fuck out too. of Portland. No. Yeah, get the fuck out of Portland, move to LA, get big, and then invite me over to your pool, okay? So we can ride your coattails. Yeah! Yes. Coattails. Coattails for everyone. Thank you so much for being here today, yeah. Belinda. Yeah. Thank you for picking up recyclables today. Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.